Hello everyone and welcome to our podcast series called Decolonize That. The name for our podcast was inspired by one of our other favorite podcasts called Philosophize That, but instead of making philosophical arguments about the structure of life, our podcast focuses on the lasting legacies of colonialism in Southeast Asia. As you probably can guess by the title of this first episode, today we will be discussing religion, social hierarchy, and education in pre-colonial and post-colonial Vietnam. To start off our first episode, I'll be introducing the history of colonialism in Vietnam. French interest in Vietnam was sparked after the French suffered from territorial and trade losses in India due to British sovereignty. In 1858, France took control of Vietnam and made it a French colony. The French fully established its colonial rule following their victory over China in the Sino-French War in 1884. Vietnam became a part of French Indochina in 1893. In 1930, Ho Chi Minh formed the Communist Party of Vietnam. In 1940, a year into World War II, Japan invaded Vietnam. As World War II ends, France reoccupies the southern portion of Vietnam. Ho Chi Minh and the Viet Minh seized control of northern Vietnam and declared independence in 1945. In 1954, Vietnam was divided into two countries by the Geneva Conference, Communist Northern Vietnam and Southern Vietnam. In 1959, the Vietnam War began as Ho Chi Minh declared war in an effort to unite Vietnam. Southern Vietnam surrendered to Northern Vietnam in in 1975. The city of Saigon is renamed Ho Chi Minh City. A year later, the Republic of Vietnam was declared. In 1986, Liberal economic policies called Doi Moi were introduced, which allowed a new constitution to be implemented in 1992, which granted more economic freedoms. Finally, in 1995, the US and Vietnam restored their diplomatic relations, and Vietnam and China resolved a long-time border dispute in 2008. Confucianism was an integral part of Vietnamese society before colonialism. Confucianism can be defined as a system of philosophical and ethical teachings founded by Confucius and developed by Mencius. Confucian values include filial piety, which is the virtue of respect for one's parents, as well as humaneness and ritual. Now, when the French gained power over Vietnam in the late 19th century, they slowly but surely introduced an educational reform that took on the structure of their own design. It was 13 years of schooling that was then broken up into the traditionally European method of the varying levels of primary and secondary education. As a part of this complete and utter renovation, from the years of 1917 to 1945, instruction in all elite Vietnamese schools was taught in the French language. However, at the end of World War II, the French language was then replaced with Vietnamese in the majority of schools in order to then reestablish Vietnam's power in their own education cycle. Yet, even after the Geneva Conference of 1954, when France was supposed to relinquish control over Vietnam, they still managed to maintain a strong influence in the education systems of South Vietnam. This entire situation was then complicated due to the fact that The Vietnamese universities were not yet up to the standards of their foreign counterparts, thus necessitating many students to look elsewhere for further schooling. As well as this, virtually all textbooks at the university level required rewriting and then translating into Vietnamese, for they were either written in French or other foreign languages that mainly were in European. 
um, this proved to be a highly difficult task as the Vietnamese vocabulary had been frozen in time since the arrival of the French, causing an immense lack of modern terms or jargon in many areas of study. From a sociological perspective, the effects of French influence became ingrained in many families' everyday lives and choices, as there were a lot of parents who desired to pro desired to provide their children with a university education and tried to make sure that their chi their kids attended these French-administered elementary and secondary schools, so that they then might become fluent in the French language before entering a university. Along with this custom brought on a sudden influx of what became known as a black market education, in which parents would spend drastic amounts of money in order to enroll their children into the French primary schools, as well as then receiving external tutelage from quote-unquote private instructors, who also specialized in more Western-oriented teaching methods and French thought. The teachers, who were then being hired as these personal tutors, received a much greater income than those who only taught at the exclusively Vietnamese schools, thus enlarging the wage gap in the profession greatly. The long-lasting effects of French interference in Vietnam's education system were deeply ingrained within the fabric of society, making the ramifications extremely difficult to reverse, even after the departure of France from the country. Since before the colonial period, Vietnamese society was sewn together by Confucian standards. A few examples of Confucian standards include the subordination of the subject to the ruler, child to father, spouse to husband, younger sibling to older sibling, and the common respect between two acquaintances. Because of these societal norms, Vietnamese society advanced in a very hierarchical manner with authoritarianism, civil obedience and devotion, and the subordinate role of women became essential to the natural order of civilization. Transformation of the Vietnamese society occurred because of French colonial rule, the introduction of Western education, the beginnings of industrialization and urbanization, and the growth of commercial agriculture. The French governing class began to dominate the four social basic groups, scholar officials, also known as mandarins, farmers, artisans, and merchants. Despite differences in Confucian and French ideals, there were still parallels between the two. The philosophy of Confucius played a significant part in the improvement of democratic-based goals in Europe, as well as in the foundation of the French Revolution. The establishment of Western education introduced a new French-dominated governing class. As a result, the elite Vietnamese mandarins were greatly discouraged and their power and prestige rapidly declined. In 1879, an average of 6,000 people took the triennial exams on Chinese classical literature and philosophy, which were required to become a trustworthy scholar and degree holder, but only 1,300 arrived for the exam in 1913. These statistics clearly show that after the arrival of the French governing class, Confucian scholars were intimidated by the masters of more modern subjects. In colonial Vietnam, schools that were accustomed to teaching Confucian ideas and Chinese abruptly introduced curriculum in Vietnamese and French into the existing school system. Vietnamese who had effectively procured an advanced education at home or abroad entered government organizations as executives or were doctors, engineers, and educators as the leg legislator extended its function in the fields of health, public works, and education. Others took up callings outside the administration, for example, law, medication, science, and newscasting. The elite was made for the most part out of Vietnamese from Tonkin and Annam as opposed to Cochin, China, 
possibly traceable to the country's only institution of advanced westernized education in Hanoi. Before the arrival of the French colonists, Vietnamese religion was a syncretic amalgamation of the three great religions of East Asia, Confucianism, Taoism, and Buddhism. Yet the introduction of Catholic France resulted in societal tensions that affected local economies and communities. Unlike in other French colonies, Vietnam's diverse and complex religious landscape posed challenges to the church and state relations, as each sought to extend their presence, causing tensions to rise. Although many Vietnamese citizens eventually converted to Catholicism, the French missionaries, priests, and their followers were greatly resented by the unconverted population, both elite and peasant. There grew a strong tendency for Catholic missionaries to isolate their followers from the non-converted population, and often they established separate or entirely preliminary Catholic villages or subdivisions of villages. Moreover, the missionaries then forbade their followers to practice the traditional rituals of ancestor worship and to make sacrifices to the village deities. The strong resentment of the Catholics was shared by the lower levels of the socioeconomic classes. During communal festivals and rituals, all villagers were expected to contribute to them in order to express internal solidarity towards the community members. However, when Catholics refused to aid in contribution due to the superstitious aspects of the ceremonies, the villagers who were unconverted not only felt insulted by their actions, but they also had to increase their own contributions as a result of the reluctance of the Catholics. The economic struggles of the villagers also then grew tenfold, when the Catholics would then eventually withdraw from the communities entirely. The remaining peasants were then faced with the overwhelming burdens of extreme taxation from the imperial government, who did not lessen its impositions to balance out the impact of the departed Catholic group. Thomas. Wait, but like, start with like, this is the conversational part of the podcast. I'm going to put this in. I'm going to put this in. This is great. Oh, some behind the scenes outtakes. Yeah, behind the scene outtakes. All right. So, okay, fuck it. Should I just start? I We're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording. Oh, never mind. Okay, let's not use this. <laughs> no, I totally know what this is. This is well, great. Um, We're seniors, okay? Or I guess Thomas is a junior, but wait, should should we leave and go back? Because no, no. We're just That's gonna on go. That's on me, guys. <laughs> We're right. just gonna go. Okay, so welcome to the discussion portion of episode one. We're gonna talk about modern religion in Vietnam. So, Seb, take it away. So, basically, uh, Vietnam as a, as a whole is predominantly an atheist state, um, as the majority of the Vietnamese population choose not to follow organized religion, which I think is super interesting, considering the fact that many Asian countries are highly religious, and Burma is one of the most religious countries in the world. So, there's an interesting, con- interesting contrast there, I think. Yeah, just to put, like, a number to that, like, as of 2019, 86.3% of the Vietnamese population identified as atheist. Um, I do think it should be important to note, though, to, if any of our listeners aren't familiar with what folk religions are, um, Vietnamese folk religions, uh, they were sort of founded on endemic cultural beliefs um, that were sort of historically affected by Confucianism and Taoism from China, which are like two of the biggest, biggest religions in China. Um, as well as kind of a very heavy tradition and influence from Buddhism. Um, But it was a lot of like local 
and it is still today a lot of localized communities coming together and practicing i don't know any sort of community event i guess um but it is interesting to think about how they don't have a lot of organized religion in the country yeah, yeah. definitely yeah when you contrast it with burma as you said before and even like the philippines which is like one of the only Asian countries to have like a national religion of Christianity. And you see, Thomas, you pointed out a 2019 census, but like even in 2009, only like 81% of people identified as non-religious. And you see like increasingly more people becoming more atheist as time goes on. That's just like another interesting sort of contrast to Burma um, because so many people there are religious. Like you see the protests of like religious schooling and stuff like that. And that's definitely not something that you would see in Vietnam at all. Yeah, I wonder what like the numbers would be compared to like American like people converting to atheism. Like are there yeah. the same trends in America? But also it's weird to think about like religion in America. Because like I, I yeah. don't know this because I didn't grow up religious, but I don't Me know. Me neither. What- like the one main religion is like, I don't know if Christianity or Judaism or Catholicism or whatever it is. is yeah. I think, I think I've been in a church maybe twice in my life. Same. Like Same. once for a wedding and like the other time I can't even remember. It was so long ago. Is there for a wedding and a funeral? And that was it. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. yeah. I mean, I had a bat mitzvah, but I don't consider myself Jewish. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's in, like, even I think in New York, pretty easy to like fall into like atheist patterns because you have all of these like hippies from Williamsburg being like yeah god isn't real (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and yeah you know it's like it's like a millennial thing to be like anti-religious and to be like atheist or even agnostic like I think I consider myself agnostic Um, I think like that's like spiritualism and like agnostic people are like often over like it's like either you're like super christian or you're like atheist and there's like there's definitely an in-between there but like we really don't see that in a lot of like southeast asian countries or that's really not like popularized i guess yeah Yeah. i mean perhaps like vietnam as a whole is probably more spiritual um than like religious like because honor like you said like i would identify as agnostic i i don't know enough about religion because i haven't been taught it because i haven't grown up with it um i don't know i'm into like astrology but that has nothing to do with anything that's my like uh kind of whole thing but i don't know i think in terms of vietnam at least i read a study that said uh most of the youth population have i'm not can't remember the exact statistic but less than no interest in religion and like religious classes in schools are basically extinct because no no one really it's not a founding part of their culture necessarily yeah like if if parents want to send their want want their kids to be religious they'll just send them to sunday school yeah i mean there's still like one of the but it is interesting because one of the most like popular tourist attractions in vietnam is literally a cathedral the notre dame cathedral um it's i don't know how many people go there per year but it was built by the french and it looks almost exactly like um a, a cathedral in paris yeah um, I, I was about to ask like how how, how do we see the effects of colonialism and modern Vietnamese religion but I guess you kind of summed it up right there like the Notre Dame Cathedral like literally being constructed constructed by French colonists it's like I mean I talked about this earlier in the episode but like Catholicism when it was first being introduced to Vietnam the French missionaries were super kind of I get like they're really bad about it. they excluded a lot of Vietnam the unconverted Vietnamese population and didn't really engage in the, any communities and sort of sort of built beautiful buildings that looked like they were in 
you know, Paris and stuff, and then yeah. left. Um, but Vietnam still does have holidays that they practice. Um, I mean, like holidays like Easter and Christmas aren't, of course, they're nowhere near like the juggernaut of occasions they are in like the Western world. Um, but like people still like will wear a cross around their neck and some families will have altars to Jesus in their home or even an ancestor shrine. Um, which I think is interesting. Yeah, definitely. Should we speak about that? Was good. What did we talk about holidays? There aren't like a lot of holidays. We could, yeah, I think we got the bulk of that. I think we can also talk about like this absence of religion is like another sort of legacy of colonialism. Like, yeah, Burma and Vietnam are sort of opposites. Like, even if they had imposed secular, like, they both had secular education systems in the colonial period, yet they both yielded such different results. And obviously, you could probably, you know look at the Vietnam War and see like the consequences of that and that's probably a reason why you don't see a lot of nationalized religion because there isn't that much nationalism in the country as itself like Burma Buddhism is such like a part of their national identity for a yeah. lot of people and like having a majority religion is really important so like because we don't have a lot to say about this like says something about the legacies of colonialism in Vietnam right now and that like secular education and religion like really did not have a huge impact on it but like it did <laughs> i yeah i also think this rise in athe atheism can also be contributed to the fact that um so some of the vietnamese population is actually coming to terms with how like colonialism kind of shaped religion and christianity in vietnam and i think they they might be trying to stray away from that and yeah, like be more connected to their to their own cultural beliefs. Yeah, I think we see the effects of colonialism much more in their education system and their social hierarchy system, like more than religion. Yeah. Because I think you, you Thomas and Sebastian talk a lot about this in the episode that like French is still like a pretty popular language there. There's a lot of international schools that are like based um, in French culture and stuff like that. Like. I was, I don't know why, I was like looking at like schools of Vietnam and I think because like my computer knows it's in America, it just showed me all of the international schools, but they were like all the top 10, like top international schools in Vietnam were French schools. And I sort of think that the social hierarchy and the education part of it were definitely a lot, like a lot more affected than the religious part of it. And I think that's really interesting to look at in comparison to Burma, which I did more research on, but like it's it's so weird to think that like you have secular education systems yet they yielded like such different results mm -hmm. yeah we were talking about this like i'm an ap era right so we're talking about the industrial revolution right now and sort of like the expansion of the middle class and mm. i think that definitely relates to european imperialism and the fact that america is much less religious than it was like 30 40 50 years ago um yeah when you think of it like the the puritans that came over and the pilgrims that came over they were all you know wanting religious freedom and were yeah. escaping religious intolerance so like america did stand for like an like always not an anti-religious but sort of like a freedom of religion standpoint and it's interesting that like now we are sort of I guess in New York and where we're the culture that we're immersed in, like it's just like no religion. 
Yeah. I, I do think it's, sorry, Thomas, but uh, I will all forget this point if I don't say it. Um, but I think it's interesting because I think one of the reasons why the country as a whole isn't as religious as we once were is mainly because people are finding the comfort that they once found in religion in other aspects of their life because life is so much more complicated now than it was, you know, 80 years ago, I guess. It was like very simple, like a small portion of the population was working class, you know, people sort of woke up, went to work, came home. And now because with pop culture and because my senior plan I'm talking about kind of the sudden economic boom in the 50s and the incredible rise in consumerism and kind of how we're now a highly, highly capitalist society, we find the the spiritual freedom, the the passion, the kind of the support system in other areas, which is probably a reason why religion isn't as much of a cornerstone as it once was. And also kids our age, we like more and more kids who have religious parents are defying that and are going against it and and yeah. don't practice it like their parents do because a lot of my friends who might be jewish their parents are they're may, maybe not orthodox but are practice it highly and take it very seriously but the kids don't because they they don't have that same connection yeah kind of kind of adding on to that it's like i think a lot of the reasons why people practice religion is because it's kind of an an explanation like a meaning like that can be given to life and like why we're existing on this planet but like i think another like an explanation for why people might be atheists is that they're seeing that like there doesn't always have to be an explanation for life and we can just exist in our state and just be okay with it and there doesn't always have to be an explanation for things yeah i think like even political polarization has a lot to do with a, like loss of religion over time in America. Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember Ms. Mosslander saying something in a forum earlier this year about political polarization where it's like parents are now scared of like the, like the one factor that parents like fear most is having their uh, child marry someone of the opposite political party when it used to be someone who didn't share the same religion as them, which is so interesting to think about how like, really? have, like yeah, have become like the oh. forefront of most of our lives and like religion has sort of taken like a back burner to it. But it's like, it'd be wrong to say that like Democratic Party is the secularist party and the Republican Party is the religious party because that's not true. But I think political polarization does play like a huge role in the fact that we've lost a lot of religion in America. Facts. That's crazy to think about. That's so weird. That, that, that I mean, what you, yeah. like, what you said about how, like, that's one of the parents' fears is bizarre to think about. But isn't it so true, though? Like, don't you yeah. know so many parents that would, like, freak out if their kid married someone that was of the opposite political party? Yeah, I mean, my, my godmother, she, she's English, so she is, doesn't follow American politics, but one of her best friends said that she was a Trump supporter, and she immediately cut her off, like, cut her out of her life entirely. And this is a woman she's known for decades because she's a Trump fan. Like, and she's not even from America. She doesn't have that same connection to it. But I guess it's the same in the rest of the Western world. Even the UK, it's just, just as bad there politically. And, you know, in other European countries as well. Thank you for tuning in to our first episode of our podcast, Decolonize That. Our next episode will explore secularism and education in Myanmar. So if you want to hear more about what we have to say on that, stick around and see you next time.